0: how's that? Is that better? I'm sorry, Marshall, I was distracted by the Uganda team. If they turn off their t-shirts now, it'd be easier for me to concentrate. I'm not sure how many batteries it takes to run one of those shirts, but I'm sure that it's a bunch. But we know one thing, nobody's getting lost in the airport. So... I want to encourage you to stick around for second hour. We're going to try and uh, kind of make it a little bit shorter so we can all get to Father's Day fun because I'm sure there are many macaroni art projects and things ready to go today for Father's Day that have yet to be delivered. Um, But I want you to see a little bit more of what you just got a, a little taste of there because it was an incredible week and somehow out of snow cones and paper snowballs in here and all the other things that went on, kids came to know Jesus as their Savior last week, and the kingdom of heaven expanded. You know, for the last um, several months, actually since Easter, we've been, we've been on a series here called The, the, gener- or the uh, Dangerous Church. And for the last couple of weeks the the messages were on the the generous church and the praying church and and I think as, as I looked over this last week on, on Friday night, sort of just sitting back at home and fairly exhausted from the from the week, I thought we were a dangerous church last week because we saw the generous church last week I saw one adult and teenager after another, giving up their time, their their energy, their dryness with the dumping water, in some cases their dignity. We'll get to see a little bit more of that in the skit time second hour this morning. And some guy with hair up there before. But for a purpose. Not just to have fun, not just to be goofy, not just to interact with kids, but to bring the message of Jesus Christ crystal clear in as many ways as we could think of to kids in hopes that it would change their lives. You haven't seen anything until you've seen someone teaching a Bible lesson dressed in the clucker's chicken suit. <laughs> but through that, God works. See, God's a creative God, and you know, just as Jesus taught so many times in parables, God uses all the creativity that we can throw out there and he's used it this last week for, for great things. We're also a dangerous church in that we are a praying church. And I have been greatly encouraged by the, the people who have been showing up on Sunday mornings at 8.30 to join us for prayer here. I was encouraged this morning again to hear a bunch of people came to me this morning and said, so how did it go at BBS last week? I was praying all week for what would happen here. And to me, that is just a phenomenal and tremendous encouragement. And... I'd want to encourage you guys to continue on, to be the generous church, to be the praying church, because because God brings results. Skeet mentioned the attitudes of the adults, and I want to commend everybody who was here this past week. Skeet and I were talking a little bit at the end of the week and said, we've seen enough Bible schools in our our lives where everybody's worn out by about 10 o'clock on Monday morning, and the attitudes go kind of south. It was not that way at all this year, although everybody was... Uh, gave their all and was tired. The attitudes were great all week because we saw God working here and that has been just phenomenal. We saw several or a couple dozen kids come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior here this last week and that is incredible. I'm sure the party's still going on in heaven today. So thank you to all who have been a part of that. You know, I think dangerous churches begin kind of with dangerous families and To me, dangerous families many times begin with with dangerous dads. And so I want to bring to you a word this morning from the book of Joshua to hopefully encourage all of us, whether you're a dad, whether you're a mom, whether you're a kid, whatever it is this morning, to be more dangerous in the way you are going to live your life. This past week in Bible school, our theme, if you didn't catch it, we were a spy theme. Okay? In inspector's Agit in Operation Truth. And a lot of the things we did revolved around a spy theme. We actually taught kids how to be a little sneaky as we passed out little plastic dog bones during the week and they had to sneakily ask each other, do you have a dog bone? And then they got extra candy points for that by the end of the week and things like that. The skits were about uh, an inspector and his niece and... A dog who was smarter than the other two. Um, solving mysteries and crimes each day. And you're going to get to see a little bit more of that in the second hour. So, so hang around with that. But, but I, I thought about it again that people have been fascinated by this spy thing forever. I mean, how many James Bonds have there been now? You know, there's something that just doesn't die. It just keeps recreating with younger actors and actresses and stuff keeps going. And books and TV and even spies show up in the Bible. And so I want to get to one of the stories here in a minute about one of those spies named Joshua. But before we do that, I want to tell you about a couple guys that, that I've met personally. When Dee and I first got into full-time ministry, we were in a little town called Spencer, Iowa, which is way in the middle. of It's not the end of the world, but you can throw a rock and get there from there. Um, out in far northwest corner of Iowa, and there were two guys that we met while we were there that were both from the military intelligence field. The first guy was a guy named Willard Wagner, and Willard was a guy who had gone into the military when he was 18 years old and had gone through some, some training and aptitude testing, and they picked him out right away to enter the intelligence Corps in the army. And Willard served every, his, his whole working life was in the military, and he was a spy. He was undercover in several different countries throughout the world. Um, And as he progressed in age and training and everything else, he then went on to train other people in the intelligence field, and actually one of his sons followed him into that field as well. And he was kind of the spy spy. And if you met Willard and talked to him, you know he was just a little bit shady enough and secretive enough that you could really see how this guy could, you know, you could see it in him. You could see that he would have made a great undercover spy someplace. And he was just that guy. Then I met another guy, and his name was, was John Holcomb. And when World War II started, John was a, a 19, 20-year-old kid and didn't know what else to do. But everybody else was enlisting in the Army, of course, when World War II started. And, and John went and he enlisted. And John was at the, the uh, enlistment office, and he goes through all the, you know, the, the stuff that they do, getting him signed up and has the uh, physical and everything. And they pulled John out of the line and said, we have something special planned for you. Now, John stood about yay high, had Coke bottle glasses, and just was, in all truth, he was a goofy-looking little guy. And they made John into an intelligence officer, because he was as far from James Bond as anybody you could ever imagine in all your life. And the fact is, when the D-Day plans were were being uh, distributed out and around the world, John was a courier for secret plans all throughout the European theater. In your wildest dreams, you never would have guessed that John was a spy, and that's why he was good at it, because there was no way anybody was ever going to believe that about him. So I thought about those two guys, and then I thought about two guys that are in the Bible, one of which was, was a spy, and one of which was trained as a military officer and everything, and those two guys were Moses and Joshua. Now, if you remember the Old Testament. Moses was a guy who grew up in the Pharaoh's palace and he had all the, the special training and everything that you needed to be a great military officer in the greatest country that existed in the world at that time. And Moses was trained. Moses had all the tools. Moses had all the education. Moses had all the instruction. And Moses was ready to lead. And then there was this guy Joshua. His training came by making bricks in a pit as a slave, and chopping straw and building pyramids and getting whipped under the soldiers of the Egyptian army to work harder. But, you know, as I think about those two guys, Moses and Joshua, they're kind of like Willard and and John, you know. One was very, very likely to go on to be a great leader of the people of Israel. The other one was about as unlikely as you could get. He was a slave kid who grew up with no formal training or anything to equip him for anything else. And today as we, we open up your Bible, if you would, to the book of Joshua chapter 1, we're going to go through verses 5 through 9 in a minute. But, but first, I, I want to challenge you this morning that we, we have, I think, in, this, in these few verses this morning, some, some lessons for dads on how God would choose to have us be leaders of our family we have some lessons for just life and in the promises and the things that God has for each one of us if we'll follow him and also i think we have lessons for our church in what God desires for us as a church and what God can do for us as a church now like i said Joshua grew up in the brick pits of the land of Egypt but as the israelites left the land of Egypt, and they started progressing through the wilderness. They had been gone from Egypt for just a short time, and they actually came to the promised land. And Moses gathered together the leaders of each tribe of Israel, and he said, choose one man from each tribe, and we're going to send them into the land and see what it looks like, spy out the land, and Joshua was one of the spies that was sent. And if you remember your Bible stories from Sunday school, they came back, the 12 spies went, they came back, and... They gave a report to the people of Israel. And ten said no, and two said go into the land. And Joshua was, that's like hand signals for you kids, or not gang symbols or anything. So um, so ten said no, but two said go into the land of the promised land, the Canaanites. And Joshua was one of those two that said we should go. Now what gave Joshua the courage to do that I think is, is a very interesting spot because Joshua believed that God would do just as he said because Joshua had seen God at work before when they were in the land of Egypt. He'd seen the plagues come. He'd seen the Red Sea parted. And Joshua knew that God was a God that kept his word and that God had promised the Israelites that they would take the land of Canaan and they would enter into the promised land. So Joshua was ready to believe. There's another thing that I find very interesting about Joshua. He's one of my favorite Bible characters. And I want to put up for you a short passage. It's Exodus 33, verses 7 through 11. And it says this. As the Israelites were out, I'm not going to read yet, but hang on here. As the Israelites were out and they were encamped in the desert, each time they camped someplace, they would set up a tent outside of the the little campground. And that's where God would come and meet with them. So that's where we are. It says this, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and they stood at the entrances of their tents watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. As most, uh, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and they worshipped, each at the entrance to his own tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. You get that? Moses would go and he would meet with God, and then he would go back and he would report to the people everything that God taught him, but Joshua stayed right there. Why? Because Joshua didn't want to miss a single thing that God might say. He knew that that's where God was, and wherever God was, that's where Joshua was going to be. And as far as Joshua could tell, when God showed up, he showed up at this tent, so Joshua wasn't leaving. And to me, that is an incredible thing that we can learn today, that if you want to be the leader in your family, if you want to be the young man or young woman that God wants you to be, you need to find out where God is and you need to get there and you need to camp there so that you never miss anything that God might have for you. And when you do that, God can take you and God can make you into a Joshua as well. Joshua was committed to listening to God's word. And if we as individuals and families and dads and as a church would seek God's word and believe that all of it is true, then God will continue to do great things with us. In the past week, myself and a number of others were praying with the knowledge that God has promised us that God does not desire that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's 2 Peter 3.9. And we believe that God's word is true, and we saw God bring that to fruition this week, and the kingdom of God expand. And that's something exciting that should prompt us to even pray more and expect more from God in the future. So here's this guy Joshua. He wanders with Moses in the wilderness... He's a spy that goes in and, and checks out the land and then gets kind of shot down by the rest of the people of Israel. But Joshua doesn't get discouraged. When things don't go right, Joshua does not get discouraged. He hangs in there for 40 years walking through the wilderness. Now, get this. As Joshua comes back as one of the spies and he reports on what he's seen in the promised land, he says, we need to go in there, guys. God promised us that he would give us the promised land, so let's go. And they said, nope, 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 we're not going to go. And the people of Israel turned against Joshua and Caleb, the two spies, and said we should go. And God got a little angry. And God said, because you did not listen, because you haven't been paying attention to what I have done for you and the promises I have made for you, guess what? For every day that the spies were gone, spying out the land, you will wander one year in the wilderness. The spies were in the land. For 40 days that meant they had 40 more years of wandering in the wilderness to do now if i'm joshua i'm a little upset by this i knew what to do and now i got to wander around for 40 years i think i'd have pitched my tent right there and said see you guys in about 40 years when you come back i'll be waiting for you right here but joshua didn't do that joshua just persisted and did as god directed and followed around with the people of israel and helped to lead the people of israel for the next 40 years Forty years have passed, and they're back to the same place again. And we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 1, beginning at verse 5, and verses 5 through 9 says this. Joshua is about to take over as the leader of the people of Israel, and God challenges him at this point and instructs him. And he says, No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to your forefathers to give them. Be strong and and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may succeed wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I have a feeling that during those 40 years, Joshua was a little discouraged. But now God is telling him, forget about the past, press on from where you are. I want to look at this kind of verse for verse for a minute here. Let's look at Joshua chapter 1 verse 5 to start with. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's interesting that some of the promises that God makes in the Old Testament, he also makes in the New Testament. This week at Bible school, we uh, you saw the picture maybe of some strange fellow with very curly black hair in there. One of the days this week, we did kind of a mad scientist day where we did a few experiments and we made slime, which is a mixture of glue and borax and water and food coloring and stuff, and it makes this great big slimy gross thing, and we taught the kids how to do that and we sent home a recipe so all of you can make it at home later. If you didn't get one and you want one, call me, I'll send it to you. But see, life with Jesus is like that slime stuff, and this was an interesting little thing where we, you know, do make slime and we talk about Jesus all at the same time. That's what Bible, that's why Bible school is fun, right? Because you can make slime and talk about Jesus, right? So we make this slime, we talk about Jesus, and I talked about the fact that when we take all these chemicals and we mix them together, there is nothing that you then can do to get them back apart from one another. Because once Jesus comes into your life, and once you have a relationship with him, he is there. We know that because Romans 8, 38 and 39 says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in christ jesus our lord i will never leave you or forsake you it's the same promises that god made to moses that he made to joshua that jesus made to his disciples that he went you know goes on and on and it's very cool that the bible says that all those things pertain to all of us And I think also not only do God's promises pertain to all of us, but God's challenges pertain to all of us as well. So when God looks at Joshua and he says, I want you to be a leader and I want you to be strong and courageous, the same challenge applies to each one of us as well. So let's look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, where God challenges Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to your forefathers to give them. When God swears something to us, when God promises us something, we need to take note of it and we need to count on it because it will come true. You know, the disciples didn't get this. The Israelites didn't get this. There's so many times, one of my favorite stories in the New Testament is when when Jesus sends his disciples across the lake in a boat and a storm comes up and Jesus says to them before they get in the boat, go ahead, get in the boat, I'll meet you on the other side. You sail across, I'll meet you on the other side. They get out in the middle of the lake, storm comes up, and they panic. We're not going to make it to the other side. Apparently, they didn't know when Jesus tells you something's going to happen. Guess what? It's going to happen. So they panic, so Jesus has to come trotting out to him on the water. And he walks out to him on the water, and he says, Didn't I tell you? Get back in the boat. Peter, get back in the boat. Let's go. Come on. When God promises us something... It's forever, and it will come to pass. And God says he will never leave us or forsake us, and he challenges us to be strong and courageous. Now, I don't know what that means to you, and it probably means a little bit something different to everyone that's here. What, you know? What's strong and courageous? Well, the good news about this is we don't need to be strong and courageous because of the great gifts and talents and courage that we have naturally. Look at this. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. Why? Because I swore it to your forefathers. When God says, be strong and courageous, when God says, go on across the lake, when God says, love your neighbors as yourself, when God says, find those people that you find unlovely and love them, when God says, give generously, when God says, spend some time in prayer and maybe forsake some other things so you can pray, it's not so that... You can show how special you are, but so God can show how special he is. And if you remember the story, Joshua takes the people across the River Jordan, which is a cool story in and of itself, and then they come to the land of Jericho, and it's one more miracle after another where God just proves exactly what he said. I've sworn this land to you, and I am going to give it to you. Count on me. Let's go on to verse 7 and 8. God reiterates, when God says something a second time, you should really listen close. So first he says, be strong and courageous. Then he says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you, and do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you. You know, as I look at those verses, I think about this. God doesn't promise any of us a perfect life. He doesn't even promise us an easy life. As a matter of fact, if you go to God's promises, He kind of promises us a life that's going to be full of trials and tribulations and torments and things like that. I have a friend who was a missionary for a lot of years and, and John loved to walk up to good Christian brothers and sisters and knowing that he was a missionary, you know, you always have the good answer for the missionaries, right? And he'd come up to you and he'd say, Bear, how's your life treating you? And I'd say, it's great, John. He'd say, that's too bad. If you're doing it right, everybody be against you. Because that's what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't promise us that, that everything's going to be wonderful and glorious and beaming and lovely and stuff. It's that God's going to be with you. So you can endure underneath those trials and tribulations that follow. And that's what God promises. Not that everything's going to turn out exactly how you want it and it's going to be great, but that God's going to be with you all the time. And so God says to Joshua, he says, don't be terrified. You know, terrified is what happens when something sudden and unexpected comes. We did a skit thing all throughout the week, and each day it was another piece that built onto the the whole skit. And the first day we had um, the little two- and three-year-old kids in there for the skit, and they were sitting right up front so they could see real good. And apparently every character that came out from the skit just scared them half to death because it was just a new person bouncing out on the stage. And there's a little bit of personality up on the stage, would you say, Paul Morgan? There's a little personality out there. If you missed that, come in a couple minutes and you can see it for yourself. So there's a little bit of personality stuff that comes out, and apparently the personality that was coming out was scaring the little kids to death. (laughs) And then there was this great big guy with a deep voice, too, who sort of was scary, too. So... But what we realize is that you know, sometimes we're just terrified, and it's because something happens suddenly, something happens unexpected, and something happens that we're not prepared for. And God says in those times when sudden things happen, when unexpected stuff happens, don't be terrified. I'm still with you. I sit in the throne of heaven, and I know what's coming, and I know what's going to happen, and don't be terrified. It's okay, even when you're not expecting it. He also says, don't be discouraged. See, discouragement and terrified are two completely different things. Terrified is like, ah, something bad happened all of a sudden. Thank you for waking up, those five of you that just did. (laughs) Discouraged is long term. I've been praying for the same person for the last 30 years of my life, and I'm not sure God's ever going to do a work in their heart. Someone has cancer, and they're dying slowly. All those different things that are long-term. And God says, you know what? Just as I was in control when something scary happened, I'm in control when something discouraging and long-term happens too. When I first went into ministry, I was a youth pastor, and... Again, we were in this little town in Iowa, and it was kind of funny when we were there that every time the senior pastor went out of town, somebody from the church body passed away. It was kind of sad but kind of funny all at the same time. It got to be, you know, if you were in the hospital and Harlan had a vacation planned, you know it was a bad deal for you, right? So the first first time... That I will say, let me preface that, everyone that passed away when the senior pastor was out of town was a great believer, so they all went to heaven. So we didn't have to worry about that part. But it was a little spooky that in the first five years of my ministry, I did 11 funerals and I was a youth pastor. That's a little strange. Um, But the first funeral I ever did was for a man named Sam Mills. Sam lived to be 102 years old. That's pretty impressive, 102. Sam became a Christian when he was 82. Now, if you look at statistics, that just doesn't flat happen. People become Christians by the time they reach 18. That's why people like, like me and Sean do what we do, because we're selfish. We want to see results, right? You know, Working with senior citizens, it ain't going to happen so much, right? Okay? <laughs> But we get to lead people into the kingdom, and that's good, and we can celebrate, and we we celebrated this week, yes? Yeah, so that's all good. But Sam became a Christian when he was 82. So I got his Bible from his family when we were preparing to do the funeral, and I opened up his Bible, and there was a letter. And the letter was from his wife. Now, they were good uh, Iowa farm people, and so they got married when Sam was 16 and his wife was 15. Of course, this was, you know, like... A long time ago, right? Um, it was funny though, because at the funeral, their kids all got married when they were like fifteen sixteen, and stuff too, so all the grandkids were like in their sixties, and all the kids were already dead too and it's a really strange thing but but as I got this letter and i and I read this letter from his wife, it was really interesting because they had gotten married, and then whatever eighty two minus sixteen is, somebody helped me out with that what was that. 66? For 66 years, his wife had prayed every single day that her husband would come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what she wrote in the letter. She said, you know, Sam, it was hard for me at some times, you know, for years, but every single day... The first thing I did when I got up in the morning and the last thing I did before I went to sleep at night, you didn't even know it as I prayed that God would intervene into your life and that you would accept Jesus Christ as your Savior too. 66 years. You talk about not being discouraged. I'm sure along the line in all that time, there's a lot of times to be discouraged. And God said to this sweet lady, keep on praying. Keep on praying be strong and courageous, keep on praying, be a warrior, it's going to come. And it did. And she got to see him become a Christian. And he lived for another 20 years and was a phenomenal believer. He was 82. He'd already lived his whole life, so he had nothing to do but to pour into the church and to people and was a great ambassador for Jesus Christ and a great soldier and warrior for him for the next, like, 15 years of his life until he got too old and tired to really continue on with that. So as I look at that, I say, guys, you know, what is it today that has you terrified? Was it What is it today that has you discouraged? As God looked down at Joshua and said, I'm about to have you lead my people into the promised land. You can't be those things if you are going to be a success if you are going to if we are going to be you know a, a dangerous church if we are going to be dangerous families and dangerous christians that that take jesus christ to the world we can't be terrified we can't be discouraged we have to be strong we have to be courageous knowing that god has promised us success Maybe not the success that we think of. You know, it may not be monetary. It may not, you know, we, we've done Bible school before where we finished up and I wasn't sure anybody came to know Jesus. Just didn't know. This year we had people coming every day and saying, I had the chance to pray with a kid today and they accepted Jesus and I know it was genuine because I prayed with them and I know exactly what happened in their heart. Be strong and courageous. You know, some of us out there, we're, you know, we're Willards. We're people that look at, you know, some people can look at you and say, I have great plans for you. We can get a hold of you and we can train you and we can mold you and we can shape you into something incredible. And that will be all you do for your whole life. There are some people out there that, you know, are, are John Holcomb's that people look at and say, you're about the most unlikely person I could think of, but you know what, God still has phenomenal plans for you. And you may may be more effective than that one that everybody looks at and says, yeah, they're going to be great. Some people are Moses's, some people are Joshua's. Moses is born with every opportunity, and they're educated, and they're prepared, and some people are Joshua's, and all that they have are blisters and scars. No matter what it is that you have in your gift package, God says, be strong and courageous, continue to pursue things of me, Stay close to my tent so you can hear my words. Do not let them depart from you to the right or to the left. Meditate on them day and night. You never get there. You keep on going. And you will be successful. Don't be terrified about what's out there. Don't be discouraged because I am with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Let's go out and be dangerous. Be yourself. Follow God's Word. Start today. And I would say this on Father's Day, too. Do it as a family. Do it as a family. See, Joshua, this is the beginning of his ministry or leadership of the people of Israel. I want to flip real quick to the end of Joshua's life with the people of Israel. And he says this. It's Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. It's a verse many people know. But if, and Joshua is leaving the Israelites, he's about to die, and he challenges the Israelites at the end of his life, and this is what he says But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers that your forefathers served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Is that what you're willing to do today? Are you willing to be a dangerous family for God who says that I don't care what anybody else is doing, we are going to choose today to serve the Lord? And when you do that as parents, you can pass it on to your kids. When you pass it on to your kids, they will give you great joy sometimes. But we need to commit to doing things as families. One of the cool things I had a chance to go with Skeet and Leisha Alderson are building a new house, and uh, Skeet needed somebody to carry about forty gallons of paint for him last week, um, or something like that. Or we needed to talk. That was it. Yeah, we needed to talk. Um, so I rode with him out to his house and with lots of paint in my truck, and. While Skeet talked to some people, I unloaded the paint. And then we, no, that's not right. And then we went, anyhow, we go into the house. Let me get to the end of the story. And there is a very cool thing, and I think some of you uh, may have seen some pictures of this up on Facebook. And in the middle of the house, on the concrete, in great big letters, is written the end of this verse. Yes? And the kids, there's a great picture of the kids sitting around that verse. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I have to tell you, there's nothing greater than that, guys. Um, there's things you remember in life, right? I can remember vividly standing up on the stage or on the platform in the church when my wife was walking down the aisle and we were about to get married. Her dad weeping openly saying, You sure you want to do this? You sure you want to <laughs> And I remember the birth of each one of my kids, and last week, um, something I wasn't expecting. I didn't know there was another one of those moments coming for a while. my son comes up and sits down next to me with a big, goofy grin on his face and says, guess what just happened, Dad? And at VBS, that's always a loaded question. <laughs> and I said, I'll bite what happened, Sam. He said, I got to lead somebody to Christ for the first time. That's an experience everybody needs to have. I'll remember that one forever too. Be strong and courageous. Do not turn from the Word to the right or to the left. Meditate on it day and night. Teach it to your kids. Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not be terrified. Be dangerous. Let's be a church and families that are praying families in the praying church let's be church and families that go out on mission trips and carry the word of god to other parts of the world let's be church and families that, that carry the word to our neighbors is very cool we're going to see in the next hour coming up some kids that brought like 13 friends to bible school last week Hate to break it to you, Uganda people. I think they might have you beat. You know, when you bring 13 of your neighbors to Bible school so they can hear Jesus, that's as good as going to Uganda with me. I'm sorry. Let's be a church that's generous. In our time, in our efforts, sometimes even in our dignity, in our giving. Because God rewards when we step out and say, I'm going to do what God has asked me to do, and I count on his promises, and I am going to be strong, and I'm going to be courageous, and I'm going to be bold, and I'm just going to flat do it today. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward, and as they do, to take up the offering this morning, let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for this week that we just completed a Bible school, Lord, and I pray, Father God, that in all that we have done and seen, that we would be rejoicing for those who have come to know you as their Savior, Lord. I pray, Father God, that in all that lies ahead of us, that you would help us, Lord, to count on your promises, to be strong, to be bold, to be courageous, to take the Word of God to those that you have placed in our lives, Lord, that you would help us to love well, to pray hard, to be generous in all that we do. And Lord God, to become dangerous people, families, and church for you, so that we may see the kingdom of heaven expand further and further. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.